June 29th. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 41. A team of Jews who were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used was this, I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But when they tried it on a man possessed by an evil spirit, the spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And he leaped on them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, naked and badly injured. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus, to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them, who had been practicing magic, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt impelled by the Holy Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before returning to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, on ahead to Macedonia, while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. But about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called the craftsmen together, along with others employed in related trades, and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. As you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't gods at all, and this is happening not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! A crowd began to gather, and soon the city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. Alexander was thrust forward by some of the Jews, who encouraged him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak in defense. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an indisputable fact, 
You shouldn't be disturbed, no matter what is said. Don't do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the judges can take the case at once. Let them go through legal channels, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. Man, if you've come into this place, and you really do have a bit of a duplicitous life, You've walked into this place, and, and if you're really honest, man you, man, you know how to use the right words. You, you know when to raise your hands. Golly, you got a notebook that would rival the notes I brought up on stage. And yet, if you were really honest, your life is plagued with doubts. You're playing a part. Secret addictions dominating your world. You feel... Um, far from the Lord like what I'm saying to you sounds so foreign and so unbelievable that the Lord would love you now would like you now is rejoicing in your bloodied need bruised forehead self now if that's you and you're just like I am exhausted and if this is true man I, I want that brokenness that God gave you man I want God to do that in my heart if that's you ask the Holy Spirit to help you believe tonight get your eyes off of you and to gaze upon him. This was the prayer of David in Psalm 27. The king of Israel said, one thing I ask and all that I seek, the only thing I want is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Why? Because gazing upon the beauty of the Lord overcame and covered up David's sin, his brokenness, his idolatry, his adultery, his murder. If David can be called by the grace of God, a man after God's own heart, brother, sister, you have not outsinned the grace of God. I don't care how dark what you're walking in is. I don't need to know your story. I know the grace of God. You gotta get over you. The great thing about the ears of God is he doesn't get confused. He can hear all of us at once. Let's pray for freedom. Let's pray that eyes would see the gift of illumination that the Holy Spirit brings. Let's pray for freedom from bondage. Please, get over you. God hadn't pushed all his chips in on you. He pushed all his chips in on Christ. Then he paid the bill in full. You don't owe anything. A picture of God's love and delight in Christ. Here's the truth. We don't need motivation tonight. We need transformation. Good preachers can motivate. Only the Holy Ghost can transform. And so let's ask the Holy Spirit to, I don't know about you, man, I was tired in my sins. I, I hope you're tired enough in your sins, but I want you to believe tonight for a little God to be knocked off a little throne and the sovereign King of glory to invade that space a gentle type of violence that drives out darkness and replaces it with joy. Even as you stand there, brother or sister, the, the fight isn't over. 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to know that that is the fight to fill our lives with what stirs our affections for Jesus, to get our eyes up, to gaze upon his beauty, to quit wallering in self-pity, to get up, to keep chasing is what David meant when he said, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes up. This is what is happening in Colossians when he says, set your eyes on things that are above where Christ is seated. Look up. He's not too weak to cover your sins. He's not too powerless to give you victory. Father, for my brothers and sisters, thank you. I do pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that where we have walked in bloodied, where we have walked in exhausted, where we've walked in wrestling without, confused because of some of the inclinations of our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would incline our hearts to gaze upon you. I pray like a deer pants for living water, that our soul would pant for you, long for you, hunger for you. Help us get more thirsty than we are for water that truly satisfies. Thank you that there's no sin with more power than your cross. Help us rest in that tonight, Jesus. We love you. We want to love you more. Help us. It's for your beautiful name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in gladness.